Well, it's official. We have our first sponsor, the kind people of Shelter Brewery have gotten behind us and we couldn't be happier. If you're after a refreshing beer for after work to start your weekend, or in my case, after spending a ridiculous amount of time gardening, Shelter is the beer for you. If you happen to be in the southwest region, swing by the brewery which overlooks the famous Bustledon Foreshore and enjoy one off the wood, even grab yourself a decent feed with their amazing menu items. You can pick up a slab at most bottle shops or if you prefer it delivered to your door, get onto their website shelterbrewing.com.au and browse the selection they have. Even grab yourself some sneaky merch whilst you're at it. Get around them, shelterbrewing.com.au. G'day all and welcome back to another episode of The Potty, episode 8 today and this one was pretty fun to record. Before we get into it, I know you're sick of me saying it, but if you could please follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening on and leaving a rating review, I would love you so much. It really helps to promote the pod, get it out there for more people to hear my sweet, sweet voice. To those of you that already have, thank you. And now just go about stealing your friend's brother's or sister's phone and do the same on theirs for me too. Really great chat today with a friend I've met through one of my local footy clubs here in Perth. I've never really sat down and had a full depth chat with Cal before. Our only real conversations were about footy, so this was super interesting to hear what he had to say. Cal goes into detail about growing up in Scotland, what made him decide to move to Australia and how it's helped him figure out his passions and finding himself and what it's like learning to play Aussie rules footy as a foreigner. Hope you enjoy this one as well. And if no one has told you already today, I love you. G'day and welcome to the Matt and Mates podcast. Join me as we share some stories from some old and new mates. How you doing, Cal? Yeah, I'm going well. I'm actually, uh, it's, it's been raining and sunshine. Yeah, it's been, it's been different been today, hasn't it? Very indifferent. It's like being back up north. But yeah, going well. Good, Good to see you. It's been, what? Two years, two years since oh, the last season. Jeez, it would have been end of the footy season in 2021, I reckon. Would have been yeah, last maybe. time I saw yeah. you. Yeah, so that's changed. Yeah, a good two years. Unbelievable. Yeah, because you've been up north. Yes, I left you for a bit for the last season. That's you it. Yeah, we were trying to like own. recruit you, but you're like, no, no, I'm only up in I'm nursing, nursing an injury, mate. Nursing an injury. Promise I'll be back. <laughs> well, that's basically how I've known you so through footy because right. paying down at the Give them a little shout out, West Coast Tigers, down at City Beach there. Yeah. First time down to that club. I uh, crossed paths with you in the threes and fours. Yeah, that's Training, right. got, I think I got promoted, they could say, to the threes and fours from the resis. <laughs> and, that's what we like to see. Yeah, that's what I like to say too. And yeah, that's how you and me basically got to know each yeah. other. Yeah. Then it was the the training. I don't know if you can remember that time of training. It was like one winter evening and it was pelting down with rain and they had like a, a contest it was like a rock tap and then um like the ball came down and i was squirming i was following the ball around and i just heard this loud voice behind me and it was you <laughs> and you were just like feed me the ball or kick it and i just like shot my pants and i was like touching that ball <laughs> i wouldn't have meant to say that i promise you <laughs> i show a different side about that don't know <laughs> Thanks for doing agreeing to do this today with me, man. It's we're down here at Notre Dame Uni, my first time ever here. Yeah, welcome. It's welcome. Brought back some memories of me being at uni at Murdoch, but real different structure to Murdoch. Yeah. Real like yes. campus setting at Murdoch, whereas this is straight like, in the streets. They got a pub right next to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. But that's for the medic students. Shout out to the medic students yeah. who like oh, husky <laughs> halfway through. <laughs> or um sanitizing, right? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for doing this today, Cal. It's going to be basically just really a catch-up. I thought we're due for a catch-up, so why not do it with two mics in front of us? Good call. And share it with all the community. Yep. That's Sounds a great good. call. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So you're obviously a fan of the show, so you know what we're yep. starting with. So I'm expecting a great answer. <laughs> I've been drumming up. Right. Okay. So if you could go back into one moment in history, yep. witness it with your own eyes, yep. what would it be? So I would have to be in the 1960s, the era of the 1960s. The reason being is when I was in primary seven back in Scotland, where I originally are from, it's the year six of common. We done a 
a play, as I was like the last year of primary school. We done a play on the sixties in itself, so we had a whole education about the sixties. And I was the thing called Manfred Man. We also had thing, so it was like a they're an English act. We also went through the JFK's era, so John Franklin Kennedy, and they land the land on the moon. So it was nineteen sixty nine, Buzz Aldrin. So that whole decade has been such an interest to me. Yeah. And then obviously you had the Beatles and Rolling Stones, yeah. so like the pinnacles of music. Um, but there's such a history that comes from that. Like obviously the first um, person to land on the moon, John Franklin Kennedy's like such an inspiration to many Americans as a president. Mm. Martin Luther King, he was obviously such a pinnacle to, to racism, standing up for, um, standing against racism. Um, so... Like, if I can put myself back there, especially in that America, 1960s, that would have been so cool to see. Yeah, yeah 100%. So, yeah, for me, that's like... The entire era of the yeah, 1960s. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Can't be, like, specific, sorry. You can sort of shortcut. You can go from one moment to the next, to the next, to the next, that whole <laughs> yeah. era, I guess. The good thing about it is you could go, like, yeah, this is not for me. I'll skip past yeah. that and I'll go to the next one. If only we could actually do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Time travel. Yeah, beauty. Oh, awesome answer. So... Let's let's get to know a little about you. Yes. You from the UK? From Scotland. Scotland. Now, this is a, a controversial um, thing. Uh, a lot of us Scots like to be Scottish people, <laughs> not from the UK. <laughs> Technically, it says I, I'm from the UK in my passport, but those that all know me and most of my mates at home will say that we're all Scottish and I am Scottish. So I am from Scotland. Okay. Yep. I'm learning. I'm at uni. I'm learning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so from Scotland, you've moved over to Australia, but walk us through. So what was it like growing up in Scotland? Did you go to school there? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I think um, schooling system is a bit similar to what it is in Australia. If not, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of similarities, but there's still a, a bit of differences. So Growing up in Scotland and where I grew up in Scotland was, was quite a, um, it was a town it's near near Edinburgh and Dundee, sits in the middle, it's in a place called Fife, called Glenorthus. And where it was, Glenorthus is like, in terms of Western Australian geography, it's probably the same size as Bunbury, if, yeah. if you can put it in that relation. Where I grew up in Glenorthus was quite run down, so it was, it was quite a, a lower SES, socioeconomic area so there was not a lot as of our opportunities coming and that was reflected in the high school when i can remember every day going into the high school you had something new yeah whether it's like a, a chat a, one of your mates throwing a drum mat at the teacher to like drumsticks getting thrown at each other to my french teacher throwing the um duster because obviously we had well being in my mid-30s we had our duster like blackboard deck. yeah and I was in my first year at high school and I was sitting at the back and this was like within the first term. I was sitting at the back next to this guy I would just met and I was just asking him like how he's going. It's just the start of the class. How he's going, can I like then say, can I borrow an eraser? And then my French teacher, Mr. Morrison, he's probably passed away, but I'm not doing a shout out to him because what he done next is like beyond to be like arrested for this. He got his duster and he lobbed at me and I could say it was about, half a meter just missed my head and i was like this is just not for me so i ended up leaving the class i was like yeah. i was so sorry to, to my mom who's listening and uh, anyone who's sensitive to that but yeah yeah i left the left the room and i ended up getting a set of lines so and as a punishment in scotland we get a set of lines where you have to repeat the line yeah it's i remember doing like, that yeah yeah we had the dictionary book we'd have to write so many <laughs> right, pages okay. of dictionary book, yeah. sounds a bit more eloquent <laughs> you got just like uh, bart simpson if you yeah and think of the start of the simpsons yeah i got a set of lines and had to take it home so that was within again first term set of lines because i was just being cheeky to the the teacher for something that he'd done to me and i'll never live it down so that's just a small snapshot of what masculine was like it's, yeah, it was quite a, a rough school. It was more about survival than learning. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And if you learn, there's quite a few few of my mates who have made it good initially coming out of university. So they all went to, sorry, coming out of school and they all went to university. But there was many of us, many of us that was like struggling for sure. So yeah, it was quite a, a quite an interesting school. And to come from that, it really puts hairs on your chest. That's a, it's a saying, saying as others I like to say. So uh so yeah, grew up there and then like then went to like college, went through a bit of unemployment. So they had colleges at the 
place? No, no. So it's not no. like TAFE was here. It's the college is a separate standalone. Our what you could say college in, in the States is more a university. So yeah, okay. Our college is more like TAFE, but less connected to a school. It's more a standalone. And it's where you do all your technical woodwork jobs and um, trade jobs. So yeah, I went there and initially done a computing degree, realized that I was nowhere near as good as the computing as what my classmates were. So then I went to do a business degree just because I wanted to keep myself going. Then the business degree really, I got to the end of it and I was like, right, I want to go into music and pursue music. Um, yeah, right. I'm big music nerds and I wanted to do um, uh, just something to do with like events management. So come the end of it, I'm running like my own events management business with music. So come the end of my degree, I went, went to pursue a few things. And then this opportunity came across in the town that's nearby where I grew up. And I was working with youth and music. And I was like, oh, this is pretty good. It was more, so I stayed there for a, a year and that was more working with youth opposed to the music scene. And I was like, mm -hmm. come to, and I came to the end of that um, kind of contract and I was like, you know what, I'm going to go to Glasgow, move to Glasgow. So that's going west to where I'm. How old so, were you at this point? Oh, that must have been 21, okay, 21. Yeah. And yeah, I realized, 21, yeah, 21. I realized that going over to Glasgow would have been a great opportunity for me. It's a huge music hub in, in Scotland and it has such a vibrant underground like dance scene. Daft Punk is, is originally from the first ever releases from Glasgow. So there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I went over there and done an internship with the record label that Daft Punk is from. And I was thought, this is so cool. But it turned out that it was just like, I was just doing that input. And I was like, and then I was working at a bar as well. And then I realized it wasn't really for me over like a span of four to six months. And I was commuting at the time. So I was traveling two, two and a half hours. And in terms of Western Australia or Eastern, in terms of Western Australia, that's nothing. Yeah. Like that's probably the breadth of Perth. If not, like if you live in Melbourne, that's probably you commuting half an hour. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah. But it's in terms of, if you can put that in relation, that two and a half hours of traveling across Scotland to in relation to Western Australia, that's like 10 hours. Yeah. Yeah. You're not expected to travel those distances in Scotland. So after what, three, four months of traveling across the Glasgow, I was like, no, nah, it's not for me. So yeah, I still had that music interest, but it was just kind of falling out of the wayside. And then I went back to Scotland. Sorry, went back to Scotland. I went back home. Just became unemployed, not knowing what to do. And then got myself involved in a call center. Piecemeal job of what, what you call center. Call center. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's a nightmare. I didn't make any success at there at all. Selling BT. What were you selling? Broadband. Broadband. <laughs> and I only made like three sales a day, if you want to say that. Really? Yeah, and your your minimum was six sales a day, and I was just not enjoying calling up people and trying to sell products to them. A lot of abuse. Yeah, well, not even abuse, but you're trying to just like. As I could think about it, it's Leonardo DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street. You were yeah. like, it's just like that. And it was mad. I was like, nah, this is not for me. Um, it was actually a girl who I'd met. Um, she's a friend now, but we started dating. And she was like, why don't you go into the youth work route? And I was like, actually, I might go into the youth work route and might go and pursue it. So I went back to college and started looking at a thing called community land development. We call it in here. It's, sorry, call it in Scotland. In Western Australia, call it community development. Okay, yeah. And with that, there's like the social work element, there's a youth work element. So there's a wide spe spectrum of things. So I went into the, to do that and through college, ended up going through three years of university, um, University of Dundee, and then came out with a, a degree um, doing youth work, went and moved to Edinburgh. So I, again, moving to a, another city, this was a bit, less intense glasgow's very intense as yeah. a city and with their accents as well and so obviously you could sit, tell there's a bit of eastern bias with me glasgow's in the west coast and yeah so i moved to edinburgh and just pursued youth work there and then i met my ex-partner and in edinburgh and she was like over time we were like oh why don't we come to australia we've really and then we were thinking about coming to australia we're putting a few ideas together youth is such a needed um, skill yeah, in, in Australia. And I was like, 
yeah, it might, might go down that route. So, so then 2017 came and we jumped on a flight and ended up coming to Melbourne, uh, sorry, going to Melbourne, landed. And I was like, wow, this is like, don't know if you've been to Melbourne before, but uh, for like five days, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I just find it such a, it's a weird thing. It was like a European city with an Asian, Asian culture. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like stepping off the plane. I was like, I'm back in Berlin here. It has such a like vibrant nightlife, but a lot of the, the dynamics of it is reflective of like places like in Japan or whatever. And I was like, this is weird. So I was just getting that weird vibe. But anyway, it took me a while to settle and got a youth work job and kind of landed on my feet for about what, six months. But that visa I was on and like anyone who comes to Australia initially is a working holiday visa. Yep. So I ended up, me and my ex-partners ended up separating and um, I then decided to leave Melbourne and go to uh, regional New South Wales. And it's right, making your way up the coast. <laughs> yeah, actually more inland. Oh, going more yeah, oh, right. yeah, yeah. It's on the flats there. And it's just on the border of Victoria, so a place called Hay. And there I was doing landmarking and for the life of me, and that gave me carpal tunnel syndrome. And obviously you being an exercise physiologist will know what it is. But for those that don't, carpal tunnel syndrome is in the wrists and it kind of locks your wrists and you've got like so much pain. So I was sleeping with my wrists, just like on pillows, crying myself to sleep. <laughs> and I had to do that. Like you have, as part of the working holiday visa requirements, you have to do something regional in Australia for yeah. you to get your second year visa, working holiday visa. So I had to do that for three months. So a month and a half to two months, I was just in tears, just like- It's an agony. Agony, just because yeah. I was picking up lambs and I was picking up, so they, over a course of a day, I'd be picking up between 150 to 200 lambs each lamb weighed between seven kilos to 19 kilos. So that's on average between 1,400 yeah, right. kilos to 21. Obviously you had some breaks in between, but yeah, it was pretty full on. And then- uh, So you weren't able to do, cause you moved over originally, was it for youth work? Yeah, it was to do with youth but work. But you couldn't yeah. do that in regional New South Wales? No, so again, but part of the visa stipulation in Australia or visa requirements is that you have to do something regionally. So you don't need to do something as laborious as a landmark. And yeah, okay. You can work on the fruit farms in Queensland or um, doing avocados, or you can work in a, a pub that's in the middle of nowhere or like a gas station. Okay. Yeah. Something that contributes to regional Australia. But um, I got this phone call because there was a website, a backpacker website, and it was come to the end of my contract with my youth work job and yeah i put put myself up there on this uh mm -hmm. backpacking website and the farmers got in touch this farmer got in touch and i was like oh can you tell me more about this job and they're like oh it's just landmarking and i was like oh what's landmarking and i was a meat eater at the time i'm vegetarian now but i was like when they told me i was like oh this is interesting and now reflecting on it like just to skip forward, I could tell why I'm vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> that phone call really put me off, but that whole experience put me off. But the whole experience was gave me an insight into regional uh, regional Australia. Yeah, because I had been in Melbourne, obviously since arriving in Australia. Regional Australia has a completely and a completely different aspect to what hundred percent. Yeah, this capital cities have just like the pubs and the community vibe. And I was playing footy there, so um, which I'll come to later but that was an interesting experience so yeah from being in Hay, got the, those three months done and then i got my second year visa application approved got your carpal tunnel sorted yeah yep. yeah it took me a while i'm going to be honest a lot of ice packs and yep. ibuprofen painkillers but um for some reason my wrist got used to it anyway i traveled back to melbourne stayed there for a, a week and bought myself bought myself a camper van so i went from oh yeah yeah so went from melbourne traveled by the coast all the way through south australia so rest of victoria sorry west of victoria through south australia into western australia just go through the, the air peninsula yeah oh, yeah how beautiful is that so nice. we did that on the way back from the nt because uh, yep. we went down straight straight down the middle to port yep. augusta and then followed the air peninsula around yeah 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 loved it 
And yeah, it was, I'm more of a fan of the Fleural Peninsula. So that's the um, part of South Australia that's closer to Victoria. Okay, yeah. So no, I was going to go that South way. Australian um, Victoria border through to Adelaide. So you're passing like Goa, Victor Harbour, Robe, okay, Kingston, yeah. Mount Gambia. And just there, it's a bit more colder than the Air Peninsula, but it's just more, there's more things to do. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. So there's like a little niche brewery in Kingston and going to Victor Harbour's where you see the whales. Makes sense because we just noticed it was like, it was stopping at these really cool bays, but it was legit just you stop. There's a bakery, there's a beach, <laughs> yeah. and there might be one pub there and that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, well, let's go stop tour. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, travelled through Western Australia, the south of Western Australia, all the way up to Perth. And so I had a really good experience. That took me about a month to come go on that. That's a decent trip. trip. Yeah, I guess having carpal tunnel syndrome, you have to have yeah. a, a bit of a lightweight somewhere. And then just landing in Perth and my mate Sean, who probably listened, who'll probably listen to the podcast, I'll do a shout out to him because he was the first player, person that I stayed with. He stayed with his in ex. Perth? Yeah, yep. so he stayed with his ex-partner. So give us a how old, what year were you in? So point. yeah, it was to 2018. So okay. Well, yeah. I've been in Perth, what, five, six years now? So it's 2018. So that's, yeah, so five, six years ago. So initially stayed with him and he is a mate from back home. So I've known Sean for quite a while and he, it was good just staying with him and getting an idea of how Perth runs. Yeah. Getting the fundamentals, getting my grassroots, getting my roots and stayed with him for a week and then... Then I moved to Scarborough. Scarborough, uh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah, took up the surf. <laughs> uh, and that's where I got involved in the footy club. It's in West Coast, yeah, City beauty. Beach. Again, through a contact that I had with Hay. But then, yeah, and stayed in Scarborough for two years. And then I moved to Fremantle. And then I've lived in Fremantle ever since. So there's, that's kind of giving you the full kind yeah, of spectrum no, awesome. of, of uh, where you've got here. That's uh, yeah, of, of how I've got to to where I am, or where we are just now in Notre Dame. But in line with all that, it's even when I moved to Perth, it took me a while to get myself established within the youth work sector. Um, I went through various jobs and eventually found myself in a job working for a company called Dismantle, which are based in West Perth, and yep. they were working with bikes with trouble youth. Absolutely loved the job. So we were going through, they sponsored me in, um, in 2019 and then 2020 went to overseas to Scotland and then I got stuck over there for a, well, when I say stuck, it's a broad, broad word, but like I was staying with family, but it, the whole COVID thing really stopped yes. me from coming back. Yeah. And then eventually came back after four months of trials and tribulations with the Australian Border Force. And they were letting limit people in and I had to prove that obviously being a youth worker and they were it's a high skill to have. Came back to Australia and stayed with Dismantle for a bit more and then I realised youth work's not really going anywhere. It's time for me to have a bit more of a career change and more opportunities towards where I would like to go and, and long term life in, in Australia, being a permanent resident. And so decided to come back and do my master's sorry, decided to go back to university and do a master's where we are just now, in Notre are Dame. now. and that's when I moved from Scarborough to Fremantle okay, because yeah. Notre Dame is the one of the hubs of Fremantle, one of the things that's going on in the area. And yeah, done the masters of teaching for two years at this university, and then graduated last year, and then full on teacher, graduate teacher now. So congratulations, thanks, mate. But yeah, the whole youth work thing, just to kind of set that picture up, is really. Yeah, you had to try a few things to figure out what it was you wanted to do. Yeah, you could and see that. You've definitely, you've definitely done a fair amount. <laughs> the um, yeah. the one thing I wanted to just touch on, like, just what we were speaking about before, is moving over here. Obviously, you moved over here with your partner at the time. Yeah. Was that tough to move? Like you said, like you would drive, like drive in, drive out from where you were at, back home in Scotland. Yeah. But moving to a completely different country. Yeah. Where you knew basically no one. Yeah. Was yeah. that kind of daunting? It was. It was, I think, quite a sociable guy, but for me to settle into a country where there's n the culture you wouldn't really know. You've you've seen f a few things in the television, like tourist shows or even neighbours and home and away, but that's not really giving you the fullest show no. experience. <laughs> I mean, a few surf surfboards and whatnot. Disappointed that no one was riding kangaroos, eh? <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. 
but yeah, it was quite daunting. Luckily enough, I've got some family in Victoria who I was in touch with and who I was staying with initially. But when I was starting to find my feet in Melbourne, I was like, wow, this is quite daunting. It's quite surreal, this whole experience. So it took me a long time for me to just kind of settle into the culture. Right, this is how Australia this goes. This is how it works, yeah. yeah. Any and, thoughts sorry. of ever moving back? No, this is me. No, nah, nah. yeah, yeah. So that was during that time like when you found it was getting like tough. Did you ever have any like homesickness where you went, Oh, I might want to go back home here? Or were you just 100% now? Nah, I'm committed. Yeah, there was an initial point when I was, after the farming, I was, there was an initial point of me making a decision to either go back home and just do youth work there or going, because I realised Melbourne, there was not much of a youth work scene. It was more of a social work background, social work scene. I realised, sorry, realised either to go home or to go to Perth or Brisbane. Now, after spoke, speaking to a few mates, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go over to Perth because I've been to Brisbane. I had done a two-week stint in going from Brisbane itself all the way up to Cairns, which is fantastic. Some of the wonderful, most wonderful spots I've ever been in in my life. But I thought, no, nah, I want to go and have a bit more of an Australian culture. Because yeah. Melbourne, for me, is, like we said, very more Asian. And it's very Vic bias, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of European like European um, themes within Melbourne yeah. and Victoria. And I think moving over to Western Australia, the more, I'm going to say this, the more West I went, the more I was exposed to First Nations and Indigenous culture, which yeah. is something I take, I had such an interest in. And then having been through university, I've done a few units in that, and I've worked, um, done a prac up north, I have such a wealth of knowledge. I've, I'm, there's so much for me to learn, but in terms of where I was in Melbourne to now, I've got such a wealth of knowledge, yeah. and that's coming over west. Had I went over east into Brisbane, I don't think I would have had those opportunities. No, it's, it would have been like because of population density. Like the yeah. further the west you go, I feel, like, I feel like the whole majority, three quarters of the population is probably all on the east coast. Yeah. So the further west you go, you're probably going more and more into like less populated land where you're going to learn more about the indigenous culture. Yeah, and I think that Western Australia as a whole respects more about respects more First Nations yeah. people. Like if you go into places in Perth CBD, you'd come across things like the Yagan Square, Yagan Square, or mm, yeah. Wallyup Court. Like that's Fremantle. Fremantle's now rechanged half of its um, landmarks to reflect First Nations. So all these like little linguistic changes just shows the significance of like things that are happening in Western Australia. And I th there's a lot of, if you look at West Coast Eagles and Fremantle, the two AFL teams that we have in Western Australia, I think they do more, they go further to, to represent their First Nations culture yeah. compared to what is over at East. That's just from my perception. And mm, yeah. I guess everyone has their own. But yeah, certainly moving over on that road trip, going through South Australia and going into Western Australia, I was like more exposed to First Nations culture, especially going through Adelaide and going to, uh, it's not, Port, Port Lincoln. Port Lincoln, yes, yeah, that yeah. was my favourite spot. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. Port Lincoln, that's where Eddie Betts is from, I think. Is Port it? Lincoln, yeah, yeah. And then, like I said earlier, going up north in Western Australia, I was just exposed to so much because like, I yeah. went through my prac in Derby last year my Derby District High School, which is a fantastic town, Derby. Were you there during the floods? No, the that was after. Oh, oh you got to yeah, wait. So, uh, just after, thankfully. But yeah, yeah it took. Th yeah, that's a topic in itself. But <laughs> yeah, it was just what I was exposed to up there. I, I realised I wasn't exposed to that in Victoria. Mm. So that was the driving one of the driving forces to come over to Western Australia. I'm very thankful for that because now I can go into being a teacher could go into the class and I'm really, really ready with what I can teach First Nation kids, but also non-First Nations kids. And I'm, as a white male, I guess it quite can quite infringe, but I'll do it in a more positive way, in a more common way, like yeah. sharing knowledge opposed to like, oh, this is my knowledge I'm going to put on Throw you. Throw it on you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think that move over to Western Australia really helped me. And exposed me. That's one of the reasons that I moved moved across. So, so you've learned yeah. a lot. It seems you've you've learned a hell of a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yes, yeah, I'm very thankful to be in the position that I am in now. And I think, I guess, there's you would find it hard to say a Scot 
knowing some First Nations culture, the history of it, and even back to the Dreamtime stories that I've been passed on through, that have been passed on to me through elders. Like, that's stuff I'll take to my grave. Yes. Yeah. You cannot touch. Is there, I'm not too sure about what the culture was like in Scotland, but yeah. did you find that you, compared to what you were learning there, and then coming to Australia, do you feel that you've learnt a lot more about Australian culture than than Scottish? Yeah, culture? I think that's I think that's a reflection on the schooling system in itself. Yeah. So when I went to school, I was in the late nineties into the early two thousands, and in school we we got taught more about the World War Two and the French Revolution. You got thrown dusters at you too. <laughs> yeah, I've got to watch that one. <laughs> then actually, Scottish history itself. Yeah, um, okay. And it was like part of my years before I, I left for Australia that I took it on myself to to learn about Scottish history. That's like going to watching movies, not Braveheart. That's only like 40% true. But yeah, watching movies and taking on like a historic trail myself, just going to like all the hist history and that's where I kind of learned. So it's kind of reflective of the education system. And I guess you can probably say this, but most of the Western Australian people who I've spoken and the Australians, they didn't get taught First Nation stuff no, at school. No, no. And it's because it's a reflecting reflection in the education. Yeah, it's it was straight. Like I think these days, a lot of my mates are teachers, and they say it's a lot more learned yeah. and taught now. But yeah, going in through high school and that, and even primary school, we didn't really learn a lot on it. We had certain days dedicated to learning about it. Yeah, and it would just be all about like his. These are the types of food we can eat. These are this, this is that. But it's never like an actual topic on it. Yeah. I mean, my, one of my high schools, I was lucky enough that we actually had a, as part of the languages we could learn, like a lot of people, Indonesian, Japanese yeah. and that, I managed to go Wajiri, which was oh, the good. native language of the Yamachi yep. people. Yeah. And so that was, that was pretty cool to learn about. But even then it wasn't, it wasn't like a lot to take yeah. in. Yeah. You, you didn't really, you didn't really stop to sort of learn, take in what you're learning. It was yeah, just yeah. more of like, oh, that's an option. Yeah. And yeah. now it's just really not push, but now it's more of um, it's an actual essential yeah. learning. Yeah, I would say as it, I've been a teacher, there's a lot more to go, but in terms of where was where it's come from, yeah, hundred percent. Then yeah, I think still got a path to go, but I think yeah, it's it's good that it's been exposed within schools. So yeah, I'm very thankful to have this wealth of knowledge, which I can then can share with First Nations and non First Nations people and kids. Yes, it's given me a good insight into Australia, what it is now and what has been and yeah. where, it should, where it should be and where, I, where it will go, you know. So it makes me very thankful to, to this journey that I've been on from the time I've arrived to Melbourne but, and to the time now, that whole journey, but mainly the journey that I've had in Western Australia. Yeah. I think it's made me... you really like growing as a person. Yeah, you yeah. Could say, yeah. if you could say that, growing as a prep person, not just knowledge-wise, but just growing culturally. Still at the mind of a child, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know me too well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you could say that, yeah. That, yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah, it seems like you've really... You've gone out of your comfort zone so much since moving over to Australia. Yeah. And probably one of the best quotes I ever heard is, you need to get comfortable being uncomfortable yeah and judging by your journey and what you've sort of talked about you can really see that that's been the case and that's how that's how you probably learn myself that's what i that's how i kept learning yeah, yeah, just yeah. putting yourself in these different situations and all of a sudden you go shit that's actually pretty cool now i've learned this now yeah. i'm onto this step and you just keep wanting to do more and more so yeah i think when you've got vested interest from that journey the of the unchallenged being challenged like you said yeah you really want to learn more and more and you want to then go, well, how can I make these, how can I challenge someone else Yeah. to, to share that experience? And I guess what you're just saying there and what I was saying earlier, I think that's where I'm at a position now is to challenge someone else. You know, yeah. Awesome. Share those, share that, that knowledge. So yeah, good philosophy. Ever, oh, mate, yeah, <laughs> just throwing wisdom around here. I'm Notre Dame. <laughs> Well, you brushed on it just briefly, but like you've obviously had this massive journey here in Australia, but it was halted for a moment because of COVID. Yes. So you went back home for a small period of time and then you got stuck there. Was that yeah. right? Yeah. Again, stuck. I, I try and use it. Stuck's a big, broad word. I was with family, but yeah, I was I was there since 2020. And I'll talk you through this. This is quite a harrowing experience. And I will say to anyone, please go through the, the, the flight company. 
So I went through a travel company. Oh, okay. Uh, and I guess a lot of people were in the same boat as myself with coming with going back to their place that they're originally from. So I, before COVID came, it was March 26th, 2020. That's when it was announced. Yep. And I was in Scotland at the time visiting my mum and dad. My mum is separate from my dad. So I was, visit, I was staying with my mum and my stepdad. And then I stayed with my dad, catching up with some, some friends. Um, and then I can remember waking up. And then COVID was lingering around. Height, it was in um, Western Asia at the time. Um, Eastern Asia, sorry. And yeah, it was lingering around. It was in the news, but I didn't think anything of it. And I woke up to text coming through on my phone. So it was like eight o'clock in the morning. It would have been four p.m. Western Australia time. I thought you said you're waking up at four p.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, flight, flight, yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. And I was waking up, and I woke up, and I was like, "What are all these texts? What is people just like? Are you coming back?" I was like going on so i looked at the news and it was scott morrison um, the prime minister at the time he had announced that there was going to be an international mm. ban everyone needed to come back within a certain time so i only had five hours to change my flight five hours to change my flight Fuck. yeah Fuck. so can imagine sorry australia wasn't the only country had announced this it was like eight, all other countries even including europe which is from scotland it's a hop and skip you can probably like get the ferry or whatever, but traveling wise by plane, everything was shutting down. So I had to, my dad was working at the time. I was staying with my dad who stays in a different town to my mom. My mom stays in Dundee. So she's got another 40 minute hour drive to pick me up to then drive me another 30 minute to Edinburgh airport. That's in one of the international yeah. um, airports we have in Scotland. So yeah, I had that five hours and I was like, am I going to do, uh, what do I need to do? Right, okay, I have to get on the travel company. Couldn't get through to the travel company. My mom was coming in a way, so I kept calling the travel company, couldn't get through. And I was like, right, I've, I've went with this flight company. I'm going to just pursue it with the flight company and went up to the gate. The woman at the flight, com flight company was lovely. She was like, no, you can't change your flights for this day. You're going to have to wait until whenever, when this that this border sh opens up again and i was like geez this is intense so not only am, am i on the travel company my stepdad's on the travel company my mom's in, on the phone to the, so the three of us are on the phone just trying to do different yeah. answers yeah at the same time poor <clears throat> my stepsister i shout to my stepsister her daughter was only five at the time she's now what eight nine she's five and in the airport i was just going mayhem <laughs> she's like I just want to go out your side and do something. My and grandma and granddad to my mom, my stepdad. She was just like, I felt so sorry for her. And I was like in such stress mode and didn't get through. Like we were, so didn't get through to any travel. Uh, three of us didn't get through to our travel agent company, a travel company. Tried through the, directly through the flight company. Couldn't get through. Like there was no flights at all. Like I had to be back in yeah. Perth by 6 p.m. So this would have been the yeah. next day. Like, I would have been okay leaving from Edinburgh to Doha for the connecting flight wouldn't have got me back. So then yeah. it would have been a bit of a struggle there. So I was like, right, okay, I'm, I'm just going to have to leave it for today. And hopefully the borders, it's just a short-term measure. So we were going to, I left the airport and the most sinking feeling came from me. Like, just so distraught. Went back to the car, which was in the car park. We were leaving the airport and I seen the flight that I, one of the, sorry, the last flight back to Doha that would have connected to Perth, so the proper flight, leaving over us as we were driving out. And I was just like, can this day get any worse? <laughs> <laughs> and mom looked in the mirror and she was like, calm, you're actually a shade of white. And I was like, I can't speak. This is gruesome like gruesome i did not know what to do i didn't have any direction i'm one for a bit of direction having like a structure yeah, yeah yeah i guess everyone needs that in their life or have an idea of where they're going and i didn't have a clue what i was going to do at all so you legit going back there just for like it was meant to be a short Pete, trip yeah. yeah and all of a sudden you've just been told you've got to stay here for an uncertain amount of time yeah Visa, like you were planning on still working in Australia. Yeah, that's yeah. just been thrown out. You have no idea when you're going to do that again. So it was yeah. just like your whole life's just gone to complete. Just shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. So yeah, it was 
got back yes exactly that so i got back to um to my mom's house oh sorry got back to my dad's house stayed with him for a couple of days but it was just hard to process and then went back to mom's and then scotland went into a lockdown so i couldn't see any of my mates couldn't see my dad's um i guess it was reflective of everyone but just like having that not being able to get back to australia and then not being able to see some of your family member who is like half an hour distance pretty challenging like we couldn't leave the house i guess many in victoria or eastern states or around the world would feel the same like you can leave the house you can only be subjected to 30 minutes a day to doing physical yeah for getting outside yeah 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 yeah. and yeah it was quite so that was quite challenging luckily enough the the kind of lockdown kind of eased off so i was and then with the easing off the Australian border force um, I got word that Australian Border Force was starting to let people in lim- on limited basis. So I went to pursue things with the Australian Border Force. It took me, so that was would have been a month and a half after that whole ordeal. So it would have been like June. Within six weeks, I ended up getting, so I, I went through the Australian Border Force. Within six weeks, I would have, uh, I got received word from the Australian Border Force that I can come back. Yeah. This is roughly just about the end of July. Um, so I ended up, having to get uh, go down to London, get an isolated flight to Singapore, get an isolated flight to back to Perth, and then staying in a hotel for two two weeks. Do you have to do the two weeks? Yeah. How's that? Yeah. Uh, look, I guess because I had a goal at the end, and I was quite yeah. I was relieved to be back in Australia, the place that I wanted to stay at for the rest of my life. Yeah. I guess be quite rubbish looking at, but having a sense of calmness like for the stuff that i had just experienced and like anyone else it's it's experienced that it could be quite an ordeal and then to come and just see perth was a bit more relaxing a bit more calm just like like, all you need to do is get over those two weeks think about those four months experienced so getting over those two weeks and then when i came out of perth there was no one like isolating at all it was like a free range and i was like wow this is very surreal because Back in Scotland, and every, like everywhere else in Europe, wearing masks had to do everything yeah. by the book. So yeah, it was that whole experience in itself was quite traumatic. Hundred percent, yeah. Yeah, and for me to, to then come out of that and have 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 had that experience, I would certainly put hairs on my chest. And that's yeah. when I got back into the job at youth work. But I realised that kind of long. Long term, youth work wasn't really for me, and that's when think the cogs start to tick, and I was like, right, okay, I need to go down a different path, and yeah, and then I went to study teaching. You teaching, yeah, yeah. easy. No, awesome. <laughs> yeah. So no. yeah, I'm directing kids about trauma. No, I'm yeah. joking. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw your knowledge back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's a rough journey. <laughs> Just like from what like, you originally come over here to do to going through that. My God, like yeah. But to be honest, like my current partner, she's had it worse. Like she um, was working on a boat at the time and for her being an Australian resident, she couldn't get back. So I think for her, and there'll be plenty of other um, examples, like I take to my half for them getting through it and just focusing on my partner. She was working on a boat that did not move. So she worked in high-end cruises. Okay, yeah. And... Um, for her to, to not being able to get on mainland to go back to Australia and having that traumatic experience, I think that's tip my hat off to anyone in that ordeal. Yeah. Like mines is mines can from the outside in can be quite traumatic, but then knowing what my partners went through and those that are in a similar boat, it's like wow, I had it easy compared to some people who yeah. are Australian residents and couldn't get back you know so it's a perspective you look at it in yeah totally each yeah. person would have gone through their struggle but it's just dependent on how they look at exactly. what their struggle yeah. was yeah 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 no that's 100 percent it the other one i sort of want to go over with you is um you're a scotsman that plays afl footy <laughs> <laughs> my mate's never let the love stain <laughs> so like was just just to go back you obviously love all sports yeah is that yeah, correct? yeah yep love it what was like the big national sport in scotland so uh, we've got two actually, or three. Golf's originally from Scotland. Don't ask any other person now. Golf's originally from Scotland. And then we've got soccer or football, and then we've got rugby. I grew up in the rugby sides. Although I play, do play soccer, I grew up in the rugby sides. 
um, through schools, I played state rugby. So I played at a decent level, kind of dropped interest when I was going through that university phase yeah. in Scotland and then kind of picked up again towards the latter part in Scotland. So yeah, going through that rugby, I kind of had that experience of, yeah. and it, when I mean rugby, it's rugby union. We don't play rugby league in yeah. Scotland. It doesn't um, count, does it? No, it's like, it's like, why would anyone want to play that? No, I was, I played that pretty much until the year I left Scotland. But actually an interesting one that you probably wouldn't know, it was actually one of the guys who was playing rugby at the time. It was during the off season. I was thinking about going, actually talking about rugby league, I was thinking about going to rugby league to play during the summer. It's kind of like the touch rugby that you have here, but just like contact drills. And I went to try it for a couple of times and I was like, no, nah, that's not for me. So I, speaking to my mate who I played rugby with and he was like why didn't you get in touch why didn't you get in touch with our AFL team that we have in Edinburgh I'm like I'm playing with them I'm playing with them I'll take you along for a session got in touch with them said that I'll be going along with him went along for a session and I was like I'm actually enjoying this and it's weird sport like anyone could tackle from any angles it's not offside and yeah and how you handball it is different to how you pass it in rugby you don't need to be in a line to pass it. You can be from any angle and you can kick it. You don't need it to be a specialist role. Yep. Like in rugby union, you have to be certain positions, more or less, to be kicking it. And you need to be fit. You don't, you're don't. you not going to be tackling these about 150Ks, about guys, <laughs> and you can tackle from any angle. And it really hit home with me. And I was like, I'm really enjoying this. So I, I kind of got involved with them. over. It was actually over a couple of years. So I was in it. I was dip, dipping my feet in and out, and then the first like proper. So that's where I met my mate Sean, who I spoke of earlier. Yep. And he then left for Australia, and it was in the year before I left for Australia that I actually really got involved in it. I gave up rugby, like I thought rugby union it's great sport, but not want to play anymore. I want to go down Aussie rules, play it, consider I'm coming across. So I got involved, and we've got a competition in scotland it's now about seven or eight teams it's expanded so much because it used to be four teams now it's seven or eight teams we've got a women's comp so the sport over there's just grown exponentially we've got a national team and they play nine aside so it's full on aussie rules rules but it's just nine aside rather than playing in an oval with 18 blokes or yeah. people so yeah so i played that and i really got into it and this was like the the summer back in Scotland. So when I moved over, it was September. So when I got to Melbourne, I wanted to keep going. I wanted to keep that itch going. I got in touch with several teams and ended up being with West Brunswick. And there's actually quite a few West Coast Karen players that play now play for West Brunswick. Really? It's such a weird connection. But yeah, it's going back to West Brunswick, got in touch with them and they are just like what West Coast are. They are such an incredibly open club. They are play a good com- top-level men's, play a good competitive level for Victoria. They don't play in the VFL. They don't play Division Premier, Prem B, Prem C. They're playing yeah, Div, yeah. Div 1. So it's like fourth out of how many graves there are in Melbourne. It's like so many. I ended up playing in, in the thirds, and I just couldn't get my head around playing in, an 18 sides on an oval. I'm like, this is overwhelming. <laughs> but from all the skills that I was learning in Scotland... On the rugby union park, which is obviously square, and the nine aside to transition that to eighteen aside, there was big shift. Yeah. And for me to like move that, I had all the fundamental. I was starting to learn all those fundamental skills, but for me to move that into an eighteen aside was an added. You've thing. basically gone into like the big league, really. It, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I was like, right, okay, what's going on? And the coach in the thirds, he was like, you know what, Callum, you've got a bit of a pace. You've got a bit of uh, pace on you and you can just keep up with the, the opposition we'll put you as a tagger no because you're still learning the, the sport so I actually played 10 games before I moved to Hay for West Brunswick and I got a few best and grounds well in the top three of best and grounds which I was like this is pretty cool <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and I actually kicked we played Melbourne oh, it was Melbourne Uni Reds no it was Melbourne Grammar and they had a gun player and I was tagging him he only got like three touches on the second half. And this what is my claim to fame. What is it about us using foreigners as his <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. If it's not the Scots, it's that Irish. <laughs> but yeah, it was just that whole climatising to the... And it was climatising to that. Overall, 18 aside, just a lot going on. But 
I was very thankful the coach put me in a tagger role because not only was I able to tag some uh, gun players, I was able to be exposed to how the patterns are, positions in the park, where I need to be for certain uh, certain plays. Most of the time I was on in midfield, so I would be lining up in the ball, um, ball up or the, next to the rug taps. So yeah, I was certainly, and you can see, right in the mix of it. And yeah, it was just like, it was a, such a cool experience, but just like so surreal. And then after that whole seven, eight months in Melbourne, I moved to meet Hay, like I, I said earlier, for the regional, regional work and, and got involved in the Fitty Club there and in their twos and like anywhere in, in regional Australia, sport is like the bread and butter. Sport is the bread and butter. And most of these places in kind of like, same the general league is, most of the regional places, the top end, they pay their players. So training with those players, like I still have a mate, Jack Jackson Ferguson. He used to play at St Kilda, and for him, then he then moved to Hay, where they were obviously getting paid. But to be exposed next to an AFL player, I was just like, this is again surreal. Yeah. It sort of makes you want to like lift to their level as yeah, well. Like yeah. You see them do so well, so you go like, fuck, if I'm teaming up with them, I've got to actually try and match yeah. them. Yeah. And I didn't I only got one game for the, the ones and maybe because they were sure they just wanted to get me in. <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, getting taught. And going back to Jackson, he taught me a lot in terms of like the ball drop. Like you need to hold the ball a certain way. You need to balance yourself. There's all those fundamentals that he was teaching me whilst I was training with more of the league than the reserves because the reserves were just like all the farmers put together and that was just such a cool experience and it was through the so i left that season that came to sorry it came to the end of the season and that's when i decided to come to perth and it was through the head coach at hay who put me in touch with row who's Rowan McHugh. he's yes. now the west women. coast eagles uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge. so he's the head coach he was the head coach at the time at west coast cowan the team that we played for and he was like oh i said oh, i've got contacts he's put me in touch with you the head coach at hey so they used to coach at bendigo lash is the head coach they used to coach at bendigo as a like he was the assistant coach in the lash um he that's where the connection went so i, I ended up going get in touch with row and i was like look i've just moved from over east and i'm pretty keen to play i'm not anywhere good but i just want to get involved in the football club he's like yeah come down and since then this was 2018 when this 2018 yeah yeah and i was training with the league boys and i was like right okay this is next level because like west coast Cowan are between the top grade and the second grade and yeah and western australian football and the perth football league so they have got ex waffle players ex afl players and it's not like you're training with five to ten fellas in some regional town you're training with like 30 blokes that want to get into yeah one that would team. like all of them together correct could be and especially pre-season the one thing i noticed they'd have like 60 blocks <laughs> yeah there. yeah like they done 2k time trials and i was just like <laughs> i'm not catching up to them <laughs> but yeah was, so i got myself involved in the club went down for my first training and i just got myself so immersed with the club and I, I, there was a few people who introduced me to the club with uh, the different teams that they have, even how their positions are and what positions are, because obviously I was still learning this work, and which, I, which I'm very thankful for. And then when I got to the season, that, that well, you could see that was 2018, so when I got to the 2019 season, really got involved. So I ended up being involved in the committee, learned about how the positions in the back line work, where you should be standing, and I really went from strength to strength terms of playing got involved in the women's side so just yep. helping out Damien Verratz there who was the head coach and we in the thirds group some of the guys who are played in the thirds with I can safely say they are like some are really good mates you know oh they're awesome um, yeah yeah and it's surprising what you go through is sport and sport club and whatever but the main staple of that was the grand final we played Fremantle CBC in a grand final. We lost by a point in 2019. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And it was it was pretty gruesome to to be part of that. But I still didn't. Have that's, where that, that's where that that's uh, where that rivalry came with them. Because I always <laughs> wonder why we reversed and the boys revved up a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, I, I, 
I looked around me and on that grand final day and I looked around me and I was like, God, I'm devastated, but I'm not as devastated. These fellas who have grown up playing the sport yeah. and never had the chance to be in a grand final before, let alone win a flag. Some of them might have, fair enough, but quite a few of those guys, I can safely say, haven't. So for them to be on such a moment, I think there was more upset from them than what I was. But that's when I kind of got a good understanding, right? This is a very well thought after sport. And I'm going to keep going with this and I'm going to see how far I can go. And after 2019, I was going through pre-season and uh, this was like early to 2019, early 2020. And then I came back to Scotland. Yeah. We went back to Scotland. So you missed the entire pre-season? Not only did that, but I had a little cameo for back in my Scotland te- team. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they had like a community community cup going with all the teams. It was just like a pre-season thing. And I'd done my ACL. Now this is this is this is a story in itself. So I'd done my ACL and I didn't know it was an ACL because I went to the the physio and they were like they'd done all the checks and they were like, no, it's just a hamstring. You'll take six weeks. I was like, okay. So after six weeks, I went back out running and I was fine. And then when I came back to Perth, so this was in Scotland, I was doing all the running. When I came back to Perth, I had they had one last game because the 2020 season was condensed into nine Yeah, games. so that's actually when I came into the club in yeah. 2020. Because okay. I, I joined yeah. in in the pre-season there and then obviously COVID happened yeah. and then all of a sudden, I don't think we're allowed to pick up a footy for at least like, what was it, like four to five weeks? And then yeah. we eventually came back and there was all those weird rules. I've washed the footy. Yeah, and you had their to own. treat with like two or four Yeah, it was, so, it was strange. Yeah. But yeah, that's around the time I did. So it got condensed into nine games. My last three or four was down in the thirds. Yeah. And that's where yeah. I would have met you too. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right, yeah. So yeah, it came back and it was that last game. Or sorry, second last game of the season. So round eight, technically it would be round 12 or whatever. Yeah. So round eight and I was at Oxley and Jake. So I came down to the league in reserves training. There was not much of a third training at the time. And I was on at Jake. the bar, that's what I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just uh, having a few whiskeys, what are we going to have? So it was actually Jake Cluckman. He went in for a, so I went in for a tackle and then I went felt my knee going over again and I was like, shh geez, what could this be? It's definitely not a hamstring, but I'm just going to be in it as a hamstring because I went to check with that physio on the day or on, on that evening. And she was like, no, it's a hamstring. It's not nothing else. I was like, can I play this weekend? Because I've been violent, like wanting to play for West Coast. Hmm. The whole entire, like being in Scotland and being in lockdown in both Scotland and Perth. She's like, yeah, you could probably get like strapping away with it with strapping. Okay, so I played the last game with, but I was hobbling around the, the park. And George Dawson, who was the thirds coach and up until just season past, yeah, thanks for very much if he's listening. Thanks very much for playing with me. But I was just like, no use at all. And yeah, I, I was like, right, I can't really get full movement of my knee. I need to get it checked. So got it checked and I had to go through so, uh, so many scans and stuff. Turns out, didn't have an ACL ruptured the ACL ruptured my MCLs, but I obviously didn't know this when I'd done it at the time and when I redone it. And they're like, "Well, you need to go for a surgery." And I was like, "Okay," but the the thing is, the the surgeon or the consultant who I spoke of, spoke with, he went through the X-rays and initially he was like, "You can actually get away with it for a couple of years." And I was like, "Because you've built the you've got the mus you've got muscle mass around your around your knee that can support it." And I was like. Okay. It's actually become really common now too. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of like kind of um, alternative. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go going to go down that path. And he's like, oh, just leave it with me. I just need to confirm someone. He goes and ch- checks in his senior and comes back. And he's like, no, you need surgery. And I was like, you just told me that. And anyway, so I was like, no, no, I'm going to go with your first option. You gave me that you said that I can get away with a few years. I'm going to play the next couple of years. And... Uh, 20, so this is 2020, 2021, started the full season, just getting it strapped. I mean, there's a few times I went over it, but didn't feel anything at all. And I'm very thankful I made that decision because 2021, 
And then this is probably one of my best sporting moments. We went on to the grand final and we had won the grand final by Doug Hipworth kicking the goal in the last 10 seconds. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. that now. Going back to your knee. So yeah, yeah. You, you've, you've been told like you need surgery, but all of a sudden you've gone up stuff that I reckon I can go about. <laughs> yeah. So was that approach you took, were you just going off your own research? Were you seeing physios or did you just, just have full belief that you, you could do this yourself? I think... Because I do recall you did bring it up with me a yeah. times, yeah, and I gave you a little bit of advice too. Yeah. So I asked if a few physios like yourself and the, through the club physio, and one of the physios, David Philpotter, who's at Spire, this is pre-consultation with the um, surgeon. And a lot of the conversation I was having is like, if you've survived this long and you don't have any giveaway give on your knee, you can, I'm sure you can get away with you'd be okay. Yeah. As long as you look after it, you manage it as well as you can, manage the load on it, strap it well, make sure you're safe and secure in it. I think you. most of the conversation was, you'll be fine, as long as you don't overdo it. Yes, yeah. Um, which I'm very thankful in, to yourself for, for all that that piece of advice, because again... I swear it would have been like two messages, but I'll take it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so you can get your name etched yeah. in that gold medal. <laughs> but yeah, I think I had a... So I had a, like, got surgery, that would have been 12 months. Yeah. We'd have missed out in that grand final. That's, yeah, it's yeah. insane to think of it like that. Yeah, so, and just going through those finals was such a comparison with 2019. And when, like I said, when 2019 grand final, I looked around and I wasn't as trauma, not traumatised, but devastated as what my mates were, my teammates. But now, on 2021... I had an understanding for that and I, that's what drove me and I was like, you know what, my knee's sh shoddy, it's going to go yeah. away, but I really want to get this this medal. And to get that grand final flag is, I guess anyone who's had a grand final flag before, regardless of what level, is just so cool. So cool. And yeah, it's it's something that I would hold on. I would like to tell my uh, grandkids, or great grandkids. You've got one better than me. I'm yet to win one. <laughs> we are. <laughs> I, I, uh, I kept getting demoted, kept going up to the really? the whole of that season. So I'd be in and out, in and out. So I don't think I actually ever qualified. Yeah. For okay. Series of the, for your team. Yeah. Because I just kept jumping in between the two. So yeah, I would have loved to have been a part of that side. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So just again, a whole surreal experience, and yeah, like. From that whole, from starting in Scotland, going through Victoria, of playing for West Brunswick and in the Victorian League with Hay, or one of the Victorian Leagues, to learning, to still learn the sport at West Coast, that whole journey has taught me so much. And I'm honestly one of the best sports I've ever played. I'll definitely tip my hat off to it. I've now hung, hung up the boots. I hung up the boots just the season passed there and I had honestly such a great season because it's that journey kind of caught to the climax where I was playing football that I could say yeah I'm, I've made it yeah like, this is I've now learned all the fundamental skills I know where I should be in the park that, that I'm playing all the strip strolling players well, you, that I'm playing against you've come from a foreign country and you're playing a sport that you would have never grown up on yeah so it's just like yeah of course of and course it's like how many how many Scots can you say that plays A AFL in Australia? B is one a flag, and yeah. it's like that is one that I'm going to say is Scottish folklore. That <laughs> <laughs> goes around any pub. <laughs> is there any AFL like professional Scotsmen? Uh, no, there's there not. isn't. There's not. No. Well, I guess yeah, you're up there then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess you can say like Irishmen who play in AFL. There's that kind of connection, but they come from like Gaelic football in yeah. Ireland. We don't have such a thing. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to just like be a bit of a niche market. Yeah. Um, awesome. And with one dodgy leg. Yeah. <laughs> you proved everyone wrong. <laughs> Mate, that's awesome. But you said you've hung up the boots. Yes. I reckon that might be a lie because, I mean, I'm supposed to come back next season. <laughs> Pending my injury, you know, and is there a chance we may get you out for a couple of celebrities? My partner will be listening to this going... No, no, <laughs> definitely not. She's like, no, definitely going down the coaching route. I, we were saying this off air is pretty much just waiting for things to be settled at a local waffle team. Yeah. Hopefully once things are settled, then I can step into being involved in their development with the women's program. I've big, big advocate of women's sport. Like I said earlier, I was really, really 
enjoyed the experience at West Coast with, with the women's, and mm. that's what kind of has led to to this, so to speak. So, no, coaching, I definitely want to go down the route of coaching. And yeah, I guess what you could say is that that journey in itself, the footy journey, is just I want to then empower the next set of yeah. waffle eh, AFL women's players. Got to say it right now, and it's not waffle because that's Western Australian football league. Yeah, I want to empower, empower the next women or girl players. You know, it's there's such a up and coming sport like most women's sports in Australia. You want to just play your part in it, mm. you know? So, yeah, firmly hung up the boots, but definitely going down an avenue that I've definitely got more of a... I definitely have an interest in and want to pursue. So, That's yeah. awesome, man. Happy for you. It's Thanks, good to, man. It's good to see you on your sort of route where you you know where you're, where you're heading now. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. No. Cal, awesome, mate. That's, I honestly reckon we could keep talking, but <laughs> yeah. we've been going on for, Jesus, just over, over an hour now. Wow. Jeez, time flies when you have a fun. It does, yeah. We were due yeah. for a catch-up anyway. Yeah. But, Cal, thank you for giving up some time, hiring out the room here at Notre Dame. Give them another shout-out too. But, honestly, I can't thank you enough for just coming on, sharing these stories with us, and hopefully even just sharing this over to your to your fans over in Scotland. Thanks, Heats, mate. And we are mates already, but officially the mate of the Matt and Mates podcast. Beauty. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Cheers, Cal. Have a good one, mate. Thanks for listening to the Matt and Mates podcast. If you enjoyed the show and feeling generous, you can like, follow or subscribe on our socials and whatever platform you're listening on. And for those wanting to go that bit further, you can leave a review and share with your friends and family as well. If you have any recommendations on guests, give feedback or advertise on the pod, flick an email to contact at mattandmates.com.au. Stay tuned for the next episode when it drops. And as always, I love you all. Well, it's official. We have our first sponsor, the kind people of Shelter Brewery have gotten behind us and we couldn't be happier. If you're after a refreshing beer for after work to start your weekend, or in my case, after spending a ridiculous amount of time gardening, Shelter is the beer for you. If you happen to be in the southwest region, swing by the brewery which overlooks the famous Bustledon Foreshore and enjoy one off the wood, even grab yourself a decent feed with their amazing menu items. You can pick up a slab at most bottle shops or if you prefer it delivered to your door, get onto their website, shelterbrewing.com.au and browse the selection they have. Even grab yourself some sneaky merch whilst you're at it. Get around them, shelterbrewing.com.au.